0: The problem is that today men still have responsibility to the household, state enforced, especially if there's a divorce, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. they have almost no authority in -hmm, the household. mm -hmm, Now, mm -hmm. the authority in the household is the woman slash the state. This like if you get divorced, anybody that goes through the divorce grinder in the West understands how little control they have over their life. The government and their and their soon to be ex-wife has almost all of the control in that equation. And they're just a pleb um they're like a dead fish you know going downstream with the current basically they don't have much control whatsoever it's 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 kind of like hang on for the ride and do the best that you can
1: you're listening to the wake up podcast with alex fetsky the place where the most dynamic thinkers and practitioners in the world drop truth bombs and contrarian viewpoints to help you become the best version of yourself find us on the fountain app and send us a boost with a comment The West has degenerated and men have been the sacrificial goats. Richard Cooper, author of The Unplugged Alpha, host of the Entrepreneurs and Cars podcast and mentor to men around the world joins me on the final wake up episode of the year to discuss his book, Jordan Peterson's marriage series, women, life, manhood, brotherhood and much more. We dig into Peterson's comments about men's duty in marriage and discuss the blind spots and the holes in his argument, along with the process of betatization in Western civilization, which is how women tend to transform alphas into betas. I saved this episode until last because it's different than the usual discussion and probably going to be the last episode I record for a while. I'm going to take a break and reevaluate what I'm going to do with the show next year, Maybe I bring it back or maybe I do something entirely different with my time. We'll see. Plus 100 is a nice round number to end on. Of course, if you've gotten any value from any of the last 100 episodes and want to support me in return, you can pick up a copy of the Bitcoin Times. That's probably the best thing you can do for me. Um, or the Uncommunist Manifesto. Or just some some sats on Fountain like via a boost or something. It all helps. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this and keep an eye out for what I've got in store next year. Thank you all for the support. Now, let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number one hundred of the Wake Up Podcast. And today I've got Richard Cooper, the author of the Unplugged Alpha, host of Entrepreneurs and Cars uh, podcast, and I believe the Unplugged Alpha podcast, and a mentor to many men around the world. Richard, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. Look, let's get stuck into the first um, piece that I wanted to to discuss, which is the recent, well, at least your tweet as a response to the recent uh, marriage special by Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which, mind you, I haven't watched yet, but uh, I think I could, knowing Jordan's work quite well um, and following your work, I could kind of make out You know what he said so talk me through you know what you thought was you know maybe we'll start with the benefit of that what what do you think was good about that special and then what are the things you feel were um were you know not accurately or 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 well discussed i well i think overall the entire three-part
0: series wasn't well discussed to set guys up properly for the notion of marriage today especially in the west um Overall, I like Jordan. I think he's done a good job. I especially appreciate the way he handles the woke mob and, Mm -hmm. you know, the rabid left sort of like um, interviews and conversations. I I think he's great at that. But his whole strategy with the three-part series on Daily Wire on marriage is really just man up. Don't be a wimp. um, Just get married. uh, Negotiate between yourselves. But it's got... It's got more holes than a block of Swiss cheese, if I'm being honest, and that and that's Mm -hmm. the point of that Twitter thread. And I also did a uh, podcast episode breaking down everything that I came across and what I thought of it, and I just kind of fed back on all the points there. So, um, I mean, there's quite a few. Where do you want to start with?
1: Well, look, let's pull on. Let's say, what what do you think of the top three uh, holes in the Swiss cheese here that um, that he doesn't address properly or sets people up for failure? Yeah, so one of the
0: most glaring problems that I saw with his push for guys to just man up and get married was it relies on a lot of negotiation. Um he he seems to think or comes from an era where um men and women are equally accountable and will take ownership in equal regards, they're both committed. Um he doesn't take into account a lot of the problems that are that are out there today, which I'll get into in just a sec, but Like the real problem is he's basically suggesting that men and women can sit down and negotiate all of their differences right down to where the scissors go in the appliance drawer. And that might have worked in his marriage, but I don't think the reality of the world today would work for most men. And even though men are more apt to want to take ownership, I think, especially if they're followers or listeners of his work. Um, he doesn't have a lot of female followers from what I understand and women aren't particularly interested or good at taking ownership for things that go on in their life. Um, you know, men are more disposable, women are more protected, women are always forgiven, men are always blamed. Like there are differences between the sexes and I don't think that he gives an honest breakdown of those differences, even though he does talk about some differences, but he doesn't get down to like the nitty gritty stuff that I really get into, especially with the chapter in my book on why smart men don't marry. Like I really break it down in depth there.
1: Mm -hmm. I think, so one area I think I would uh, strongly agree with you on. So I'm a avid, avid, avid student of uh, history. And if you look at most of history, (laughs) there wasn't a negotiation between the husband and the wife um you know, nego- negotiation uh basically implies that you you know two people are coming to the table uh with either equal power or equal status and you know i think you discuss this quite well in your book but women naturally seek a higher status man and the fact that you're negotiating with your man uh implies that you're of the same status which right. is fucking backwards it's starting from the wrong place in the first place
0: Correct. Um, one of the things he said, I'm just opened up the tweet, uh, Tweet is that he, he doesn't like the idea of a male-led marriage, um, essentially, at the head of the household. He didn't use his exact words, but he calls the idea of not using uh, negotiation between the husband and wife tyranny and slavery and advocates for equality and negotiation down to every single detail. Which is absurd. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, like the most successful marriages that I've known, you know, that have been together for 20, 25, 30 years. um, Again, you know, my demographic is slightly different because most of my friends are mostly entrepreneurs, successful leaders out there. Um, But they use words like, you know, blue jobs and pink jobs, right? Like I'm like, I'm the guy, uh, you know, I'm the entrepreneur, I'm running the business, she runs a household. I'm not that concerned where you know, with things like where the scissors go in the appliance yes. drawer, they go where she wants to put them. Um, but at the same time, you know, they also have boundaries too, where they don't have all of their stuff sequestered to some ridiculous corner of the house, like a man cave where mm-hmm. the entire house is all pink foo-foo and flowers and, you know, uh, curtains and chandeliers and stuff like that, that women would tend to overly decorate with many houses. They still have some manliness to the house. Right. Um, But there's a lot of guys out there that have man caves, and my, you know, my position on that is you're a pussy. I mean, if you if you buy a house and you surrender the entire house to a woman, then like, how is that your house, right? If she forces you to put all of your stuff in some dark corner of the basement or in the garage? Yeah,
1: yeah, you you you're like a fucking child in that case, like an overgrown
0: child. You're an accessory Um, to her life. You're the ATM that pays for everything, so that she can you know milk it to put all the stuff all foo foo and fruffly you know throughout the house.
1: Totally okay. So, point number one is the negotiation is a ridiculous concept uh, between men and women. What what do you think is the second big Swiss cheese hole? Um,
0: You know, he says he says also that you just can't love a woman, right? Which I think is bullshit. I mean, I've got a girlfriend. I love her to bits. You know, we have a great relationship. You know, we've been together for quite a while now. Um, But but he claims that for you to love a woman, that you need to stand up in front of your whole community and bind yourself to that commitment. And if you don't do it, he'll call you shallow if you try to avoid that. There was was a bunch of other disparaging words that he used as well to men that try to avoid um, the risks of marriage. He used foolish, juvenile, short-sighted, hedonistic, nihilistic, cynical, psychopathic, impulsive, promiscuous, pathetic 40-year-old frat boys, scoundrels, and half-wits. So I, I guess I'm all of those things because I've chosen not to expose my wealth or my life to the risks of family law. Because he just completely overlooks the fact that that when you get married in the West, if you get married in Canada or many of the states uh, down in the U.S. in the U.K., you know, for example, many places Australia, in Europe, even, same thing, yeah, Australia, New Zealand. Um, if if it doesn't work out, which seven to ten years down the road, about fifty percent of the time it doesn't, you have to untie the knot, and women initiate that about eighty percent of the time. Um, all of those nasty words that he's calling you uh, won't matter at all because you're going to lose half of your stuff. In some cases in Australia, I know that some, some men have lost more than half of their stuff and quite often are alienated from their own children. And they just watch their wealth flow from their investments to her while she separates him from his kids. Um, so there's no, there's no real, like, like, it's a lot of shaming language. Like if you don't wife her up, then you're a pussy. You're not a man. There's no, Hey, you know, Things have changed in the West and you might want to consider these things or vet women properly in this sense. Like one of the most simplest vetting tools that guys can use is don't marry a promiscuous woman. Like I'm not against having kids. I'm not against, you know, being with women. The problem is, is that marriage is very, very high risk and low reward for men, especially successful men. And it's low risk and high Reward for women, especially when they marry across and up the socioeconomic scale, which 95% of the time they do. There's always that, you know, there's always that one person in a comment saying, well, I'm a stay at home dad and my wife goes to work and it works out fine for us. Sure. Okay. But does she still Exception. fuck you enthusiastically? Or are you just, Shit. you know, projecting your, your story? Cause the vast majority of women that end up in a scenario where they marry a, a guy that, that, that doesn't bring home the bacon that they do far better than they're not interested in that man right they generally mm-hmm. go out and have affairs right
1: mm-hmm. so okay i, w- I want to pull on those uh, on that thread a little bit so when you say that the the marriage component so so the legalization by the state um is basically a a bad practical step because it opens you up uh, from a legal perspective mm-hmm. it, it, isn't the law written these days such that even if you just uh live with a woman like where you're not married on paper, etc. Yeah, she she still has claim.
0: Okay. Correct. Correct. So, you know, here here where I live, common law is two years. Uh there's other Mm -hmm. places where it could be anywhere from two to seven years. But common law is something that you have to be aware of and you have to consider um if you're going to invite a woman into your life and to live with you. Because here if I live with a woman for two years in a day, the government considers us married. And Mm -hmm. if we were to part ways and you know leave, um, she would be entitled to half my stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, would she take it? I don't know. But if you can enrich yourself and make millions of dollars by telling a guy to pound sand and and leave, and if you're mad at him, maybe he cheated on you or something like that, and you're and you're really upset. Well, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So why wouldn't she take half your stuff? Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's not. Guys don't take a practical, rational, woken approach to getting married. They usually just walk into a slaughterhouse blindfolded because culture, society, religion, Disney movies, everything that they've grown up on and they're drunk on tells them just, you know, just get married and she'll be faithful and loyal and raise your children and love you forever until death do us part, blah, blah, blah. But for most guys, that's really not the case. And when you look at the stats and I covered it in, in my book, uh, the unplugged alpha, um, only 13% of people together over, I think it was 8.3 years was the average time frame were still in love. And only 3% of people were in a state of bliss. So, so the chances of you living out that state of bliss that they've sold us, you know, like the marriage uh, contract, the social contract of just commit to her and she'll commit to you and everything will be amazing. The chances of that happening are actually quite small. Um, there's things that you can do to manage that, to improve the odds Again, you know, one of the things I was talking about earlier is don't marry a, don't invite a promiscuous woman into your life because very, very simply, I mean, you're going to have conflicts in a relationship. She's not going to like something that you're doing, or maybe something that you say, or a boundary that you set. And if she's been with a hundred different guys or been in 50 different relationships or 40 different relationships or whatever that happens to be, if she's been with a lot of men. The chances of her forming a healthy monogamous pair bond to you over a long-term basis diminishes massively with every Mm -hmm. guy that she's been with. This is statistically proven. A woman that's been with a lot of guys that lost her virginity at a young age is a terrible choice for marriage, but he doesn't talk about that in his three lectures on marriage. He just says, man up, don't be a pussy, be a man, you know, take your vows in front of people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's interesting, but there's so many things that that are being missed here. And unfortunately I believe that that three part series is, is going to ruin a lot of men's lives, but it is what it is. Right. You know, people love that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well to, to, to the problem with, um, with marriage. So when I, when I was younger, I, I had a real problem with marriage and I think it was just, you know, young, crazy, you know, driven 20 year olds, et cetera, you know, we're we're all sort of anti-state in some way, shape or form. So so that was generally Mm -hmm. my beef. Um, In the last couple of years, I've kind of changed my opinion a little bit on it in the sense that I think modern culture and and sort of the liberalism that has emerged, particularly since, you know, once again, adding a little history here is like since the days of the French Revolution and then everything that sort of happened, particularly in the last hundred years with, you know, women empowerment and driving women into careers and all this sort of shit. What's happened is that, you know, men are no longer the – you know, the, the, the kind of the, the functional patriarchy that may have existed before Correct. is gone. And we're in a situation where, you know, like I actually find it stupid that women are out there chasing careers. I actually think that that's a fucking man's job.
0: Um, yeah. Not and that's a something job. that's, and that's a new, a more newer type of realization for me. Like there was a good time in my twenties and even early thirties where I thought, you know, uh, man and a woman, twin towers. We'll conquer the world together. Mm-hmm, you know, we'll mm-hmm, it, like, mm-hmm. but you can't have two people driving the car. There, totally. there has to be yeah. one person in the passenger seat and one person in the driver's seat. And traditionally and historically, men have generally led, and they've generally had authority over their family, but they also had responsibility to their family. Totally. Right? They had, they had the responsibility to uh, shelter, to feed, to protect, to provision to be competent, to solve problems. They had all of these responsibilities, whereas women were more responsible for, um, you know, taking care of the children and the household and nurturing and loving and caring and feelings and stuff like that. Um, the problem is that today men still have responsibility to the household state enforced, especially if there's a divorce, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. they have almost no authority in -hmm. the household. Mm -hmm, Now mm -hmm. the authority in the household is the woman slash the state. This like, if you get divorced, anybody that goes through the divorce grinder in the West understands how little control they have over their life. The yeah. government and their and their soon-to-be ex-wife has almost all of the control in that equation, and they're just a pleb. Um, They're like a dead fish, you know, going downstream with the current. Basically, they don't have mm-hmm. much control whatsoever. It's 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 kind of like hang on for the ride and do the best that you can. And there's some strategies that I talk to guys about with that as well too. When it comes to divorce, but that's the real problem is that men have authority without, uh, or sorry, men have responsibility <laughs> without, without the authority. authority. And totally. when you have a situation like that, that's essentially slavery. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. The only thing I would say there is you you said uh, men have generally had responsibility and authority. I would say that men overwhelmingly throughout history have had – it's not even a generalization. It's like it's it's an overwhelming truth. I'm going through um, uh, Stephen Pressfield's book at the moment called The Virtues of War, which is – it's basically a – it's kind of like a historical narrative – um, so it's got a little bit of fiction in it, but it's a historical narrative of Alexander the Great and the conquest of when, you know, from when he was young through to, uh, you know, going through Persia and out through to India. And it's fucking incredible, number one. Like, the the, the level of um, what men used to be, like, you know, when, when he talks about how they would, uh, like, the Macedonians and the Thebans in the Battle of Carinaea, when they went there, like, they, they were... You know the the amount of respect they showed their foe, um, and that there was a there was a saying in there which was, um, "What people who don't understand war don't understand is that um, me and my supposed enemy, my opponent, are not essentially fighting each other. We're both fighting a common foe of fear, and it's you know it's our combined courage um, dictates uh, how we show up on the field." Now, the kind of mentality of men back then, and what their duty was, like Alexander and all the all the generals and all the the soldiers, they're all fucking men. There was no women there. Sorry. Yeah. First of all, and they went to conquer and conquest and bring back something uh, to their families. And the duty of the woman was to be at home and raise the heir. Like th- there was Correct. no th- there was none of this fucking career, uh, like you know, women competing with men or any of that sort of stuff. That, that was just non-existent, and it was fundamentally non-existent. I mean, it slowly creeped in in the in the sort of the Middle Ages, the Renaissance. But where it really the wheels fell off, and this was the first big hit to it, was the fucking French. Was during the French Revolution, they f- were the first ones to institute the removal of authority, as you just mentioned, from the the man in the household. There was two things that they did during the French Revolution. They they removed the authority, so they made. Um, uh the the men and women's power equal actually probably three things they made divorce legal for the first time mm-hmm. and they 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 stripped the father of the right to choose what to do with the wealth of the family so there used to be you know in this dated back to roman times was the when a father passed away all the wealth went to the eldest son Right. Not to the fucking girls, none of that sort of shit. It, it wasn't like, oh, who's going to get what and what's split up and everything. It went to the fucking eldest son, whose duty it was then to preserve the wealth for the whole fucking family. And mm-hmm. in doing, in removing that specific piece there, what they ended up doing was they destroyed the nuclear family. Um, and what happened was the children started fighting amongst each other. Like the the entire authority of the father in the household, this a fucking and Legally. I'm speaking. not
0: surprised. I didn't know that, that 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 was one of the details of the French Revolution. I haven't studied that period in um, history, but I'm not surprised that it came from the French. There's a there's a really interesting book called A History of Marriage. The author's name is Stephanie Kuntz, and um it's basically a deep dive into court records, diaries, any kind of um literature, like anything that would that would uh summarize what was going on at that time when people were either getting married, married, or getting divorced. And quite a lot has changed since then. I mean, like the notion of marriage is a relatively new, new concept. I mean, somebody like you that studied history would know that humans for a very, very long time have been nomadic hunter-gatherers with no stuff. And then at some point, you know, we settled down, we had agriculture, and then we had stuff, and then the concept of marriage came along. And the notion of marriage was really tied into agriculture because it was the acquisition of things, mostly in-laws. Property, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, you know, if you had stuff, if you had land, if you had ox and goat chickens and stuff like that, and you know, you had children then it would have been beneficial at that time to acquire in-laws because now you can broader your scope of influence. Right. Back then there was no schools. There was no law enforcement. There was no law. There was no firefighting. There was no like very little of that stuff would have existed. So for you to acquire family that was, you know, Uh, strong and networked in areas, maybe like in education and medicine, you know, alchemy, things like that, then it would have been beneficial. Um, But that slowly over time turned into love and it all became about love, but you know, like back in the days, if there was a separation or a breakdown of the marriage, uh, she would normally just leave and end up working in a brothel. And he would end up keeping the children and everything that came to the marriage when they got married. Mm -hmm, Um, You know, mm -hmm. But a lot of that has changed. I'm not saying like, you know, we need to go back to times like that. I mean, you know, we live in a different era today, obviously. But again, like it comes back to the point, if you're going to have responsibility to a family, you absolutely need to have authority. And without authority, then it's slavery. So, Um, you know, when people say to me, like, would you ever get married? No, I would never get married again. I've been married. I've been through the divorce grinder. I know what happens. I've seen what happens to me and I've seen what happens to lots of other guys. I'm fine. Thank you very much. Nobody hurt me. Um, But at the end of the day, why would I want to invite that level of chaos in my life. It's like me going out right now and voluntarily buying some ridiculous shit coin and, and banking my entire savings on it, hoping that I'm going to 10,000 X my money because some nerd on YouTube tells me that's going to happen. Um, it's a very, very bad idea. It's, it's literally very similar to that, right? Guys are exposing mm-hmm. themselves to immense risk. I'm not saying don't have children. I'm not saying don't deal with women, but if, and when you're going to do it, do it in an intelligent way that mitigates risk, that, that maximizes the benefit to you as a guy. Because the entire selling point of getting married or inviting a woman to your life is having kids, is to leave something mm-hmm. behind, you know, your DNA. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of risks along the way. Do you have kids or is that, is that a product? Yeah, I've got a daughter. Yeah, okay.
1: First marriage or this one?
0: First marriage. I'm not I'm not planning I'm gonna say this, you know, today, but I'm not planning on having any more kids at this time. But um, you know, you never say never as they say.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah, I think um the that distinction there, the the responsibility without authority is is really important. And it's it's funny with um with all the stuff that Peterson you know claimed in that special about you know what slavery is, he, he's actually inadvertently promoting responsibility without authority, which is the definition of slavery. Correct. Um yeah, w- w- which is a shame. I think, you know, that needs to be that needs to be explored, you know, far more. So all right. Um what's the third big hole then? If uh unless we've sort of covered it all. Yeah. So we talked
0: about uh negotiation, uh we talked about some of the disparaging words that he used. Uh he doesn't like guys at the head of the household. mm mm-hmm. Um, those would have been the main ones. One of the things that I found interesting in his, uh, entire spiel was that, uh, he admits in it that a difficult custody battle is the equivalent of a near, near fatal bout with cancer, Mm -hmm. end quote. So that's, that's an exact quote from him. Now I found that interesting because with this under, with this understanding as a licensed professional that, that, that has dealt with, you know, counseling for many, many years before he kind of like blew up and became this um, icon is he's, he's still telling you to march into a slaughterhouse when there's a 50% chance of a near fatal bout with cancer. Essentially is what he's saying. Sign up, man up, (laughs) but half the time it's, it's going to feel like a near fatal bout with cancer. And again, I don't think it's entirely honest. Like that's that's one of the problems that I have with a lot of the trangon types that are all just you know be a man, have have kids, uh, grow a beard, live in the forest, uh, pound your chest. Like that's not Peterson per se, but that's where a lot of them you know tend to sort of lean to, um, and they're they're not offering like they're not providing full disclosure. Um, you know, hoping that biblical convictions are going to solve all of that is one thing but i've still talked to a lot of like i've talked to thousands of guys now either publicly on my youtube channel on call-in shows or private consults Uh, i deal with a lot of high net worth individuals that that book me for consults and i've talked to a lot of guys that that married what they thought was a a devout christian uh, catholic jew it didn't matter what it was but a devout whatever that subscribed to conventional masculinity, parents were still together, siblings were together, only to find out several years down the road after they moved to a big city, she ends up working in HR at the local firm and the kids are all over 10, she cuts her hair short, gets fat, dyes it purple and wants a divorce and mm-hmm. starts really running him through the gamut. Um guys don't realize that that women in their nature always reserve the right to change their mind about you at any given time and that could be because of influences outside of the household. Or maybe you yourself, as the guy, stop chasing excellence. Maybe it could be a combination of those things. There's any number of things that happen, but just thinking that because you go to a organized religious institution and take vows to one another and promises that it's going to, you know, go into perpetuity because the stats say that it doesn't. Fifty percent of the time it doesn't, and those and a lot of the times people stay together because they're too weak or too cowardly to leave, or they don't have the option to leave, so they stay in miserable marriages, right?
1: Well that or they don't have I mean I, I would I would add some nuance there in the sense that you know I think the duty of the man is to maintain the frame in the relationship and 100%, the yeah. the these these things that generally happen like these these occurrences where we've got 50% divorce rate and everything is his frame being weaker than the cultural frame, effectively. The vast
0: majority of men today have at some point in a, in a marriage said, happy wife, happy life, or mm-hmm, my better mm-hmm. half, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of the things that you see when you unplug from the matrix and you start to see the code as it drops in front of you is a lot of your, like people right now listening to this, I want you to take a look around at everybody you know that's married. And then I want you to count on you know your fingers and toes, how many of them are actually happy versus the ones that are actually married, like clearly happy that have been married for a long time. The other thing that I want you to take into consideration is how many times have you heard them say things like happy wife, happy life, or she's my better half. One of the most odd, odd behaviors that I see a lot of is around birthdays and anniversaries and even Valentine's Day is on social media, especially Facebook. Cause if you're married, you know, you often tag your uh, wife or your husband, it's, you know uh, you know, Richard Cooper married to so-and-so sort of thing. And it's tagged there. And you'll see like on a wedding anniversary, she's my better half. She's the best person ever. My best friend, blah, 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 blah. And there's a picture of him there with his family and his kids. And it's like, you know, like the whole Hallmark card. And then you click hers and you look at what she's doing on that day and it's crickets. And there's a picture of her on the beach with her girlfriends drinking wine in their bikinis. (laughs) Right. And it's like, really, really? Like, do you not see what's going on here? My friend. You're the one doing all the work. You're the glue that's holding the marriage together. And she's showing herself off to the world in a bikini, drinking wine with her girlfriends in Cancun for the girls weekend.
1: I totally agree. And I think the the problem here, though, once again, I would actually put that in the, um, it's a, it's a lack of frame from the fucking man. Like,
0: you know, it's if, an absolute lack
1: he, of frame. If he, I mean that that reminds me of what you talked about in your book. It was the I think you called it the process of betatization, right?
0: Betatization like, through a thousand concessions, correct? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. So so that that's what happens to a lot of these guys is that, as you said, they they get married. I mean, but this is, this is the same with all sorts of things. I think it's, you know, people who start a business, for example, that think that, you know, I'm going to start a business today and tomorrow I'm going to drive a BMW. And then, you know, mm-hmm. a year later they realize it was fucking difficult. It's like, you actually have to keep uh, progressing and actually keep building it. So for me, the most successful relationships or marriages that I've seen have been ones where the man actually, his frame increases in the process. Um, it, it doesn't decrease, and but but as you said, that's that's super rare. It's it, it, and it's
0: it's difficult though because everything that society is doing and saying, all the things everything Hollywood yeah. does, inspires yeah. exactly the opposite. Like yeah. it's very common today for women to say, "Hey, um, it's so and so's birthday in uh, you know May whatever, so we're going to go down to Cancun together for a girls' weekend," and the vast majority of men would say. Okay, because (laughs) they're incompetent morons. And and they think that, you know, things should be equal for men and women and men and women are the same. And like, there's no need to set boundaries. You try that with a guy that's Muslim, and it like the question wouldn't even come up. Like, I can tell you right now, my girlfriend wouldn't even ask me that question today. She wouldn't Mm -hmm. say, so and so is having a birthday, we're going down to Cancun, you know, so so I'm going to go. She wouldn't even broach the question. She would just Mm -hmm. say to her girlfriends, you go and have fun sort of thing. That's what frame is, right? That's what having frame is in a long-term relationship. Because if a woman's in your frame and she loves you and she cares for you and you the same for her, you're not going to expose that relationship to risk, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think going to Vegas for a girls weekend or down to Cancun for a weekend, hanging out with your girlfriends where there's unlimited amounts of booze and unlimited amount of dick around them that good things are going to happen only and they're going to be sitting around talking and, and gaggling about loving their husbands and their children you're a moron like you mm-hmm. are a gullible moron essentially at the end of the day and that's that's a vast majority of men today right like they'll let things like that happen and I get flack for it I'll get called names oh you're insecure you know you're overbearing, you're mis- misogynistic blah 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 no that's how that's the way things have always been. Right, men had responsibility to their woman, but they also had
1: authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. So there's hold on, there was a part that I wanted to hit on here. That this this one's more of a question. It's a little bit off the thread that we we're on, but it is related. Mm-hmm. Is um, what's your thoughts on the age gap between men and women? What do you think is appropriate? In a relationship i'm really curious for this one um i would say anywhere
0: from seven to 15 years um mm-hmm. would be appropriate with him being senior and her being the junior mm-hmm. um i think research if i'm not mistaken says something like seven to nine years seems to be the average of like the best relationships uh, like men and women peak at different times right like yes like women are beauty objects to men and men are success objects to women I'm not making that up. That's a factual statement proven by research. Again, uh, it's been that way throughout history. You know, women have always wanted to look up to and admire a giant. Um, They look at guys as success objects. Men look at women as beauty objects. That's why the $40,000 a year hairdresser will marry the $250,000 a year uh, CTO of a tech company or something like that, you know, with stock options and lots of money going on there. Um, that's just the way that it's always been. So, you know, women are are generally more beautiful and fertile around the age of 22, 23. That seems to be when they peak and men, it seems to be in their mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, so a 35 year old would be ideal to marry a 23 year old. Does it go mm-hmm. that way today? Not usually. Um, it seems like the vast majority of the long-term relationships and marriages are very close to the same age. And I've seen a lot of guys which seem to lack options Um, getting involved with older women that are several years, they're senior oftentimes with uh, children in tow from several different men. Um, Mm. So, you know, when you have a lack of options and if you're 30 years old and a a hot mom, that's, that's 40, um, you know, comes across your uh, scope of uh, life and being, and you want to invite her into your life. uh, That's a bad play. I mean, how are you going to have children with a 40 year old exactly that's already had two or three kids with a bunch of other guys that's premenopausal or maybe close to menopausal. Um, like how do you leave your legacy? You're basically cucking yourself and raising some Mm -hmm. other guys' kids. So I think it's important for guys to recognize, I mean, if you want to follow what, what generally works best is date or get involved with younger women, right? Mm -hmm. The, The other benefit, you know, that too. And I've heard, um, you know people get really upset about this you know when you say that you know a 20 a, a 22 or a 23 year old has been around less guys versus a 40 year old but it's just a fact of life i mean they're mm-hmm. younger they've been through less heartbreak they've been through less he cheated on me i was abused i was th- hit thrown down this I, you know you hear all of these stupid stories about women that let dumb things happen to them and you're not going to hear that so much with a 22 or 23 year old. You're going to hear it a lot less because they are younger. They've done less dumb stuff. Uh, They've been with less men. So there's also that element of things too, right? You know, we talked earlier, you know, the more men that a woman's been with, statistically speaking, the less likely she is to form a healthy pair bond to a man over a long-term basis. It just doesn't happen that often. So that's one of the other things to consider
1: too, right? Mm -hmm. That, That reminds me of a, so I'm, I'm working on a, um, little project uh, a short book called train your woman and it's about i I, because i believe that you know men train and women are trained um and 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 i think women are trainable particularly you know the the younger and more um impressionable as you mentioned there the the more innocent they are the the more they're um they're trainable. what's what's your thoughts on that i'm probably going to get fucking flag for this shit but yeah, you well. Generally, when you use
0: words like training a woman, people get upset. They're like, she's not a dog. You don't train her. Yeah. But I mean, what you do is you enforce boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, going back to something like, hey, Svetsky, I want to go to Vegas with my girlfriends this weekend for a bachelorette party, right? Well, that might be an early conversation you have in the relationship where you say something like, well, girlfriends with boyfriends don't behave that way, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want me to care for you, if you want me to provide for you, to look after you, to love you, then that's, that's not the kind of woman that I want in my life. So if you want to go do that, that you go do that and you let her go sort of thing. And you basically let her decide, right? I mean, if she goes, then you leave her shit on the front porch when she comes back. It's as simple Mm -hmm. as that. I mean, a woman that's in your frame that loves you, that sees you as her best possible option, won't want to expose that relationship to risk or maybe exposing herself to a a position where she might lose you because again, you know, women are hypergamous. So what do they want? They want the best guy that they can get. If she sees you as the best that they can get, she'll comply. If she just sees you as an accessory, maybe a Mm -hmm. good for now guy, or maybe like the 67th guy that she's been with, she'll just say, fuck this guy. And I'm going to go to Vegas anyway. Who is he to tell Mm -hmm. me what I can do? My girlfriends are going to laugh at me. If I don't go, they're going to give me, you know, flack sort of thing. Men and women are equal. Men and women are the same, blah, blah, blah sort of thing, but they're not right. I mean, there's huge differences, so yeah, it's it's just a matter of enforcing boundaries, is what it is. So, I think titling the book "How to Train Your Woman" is probably a good way to get clicks and eyeballs. But <laughs> I, but I would probably lean more into the enforcing boundaries when I would talk about things in that area.
1: Yeah, totally. Do Do you think that women become more or less hypergamous post their sexual market peak, their S M V peak? Do you think they get more um, or do you think?
0: Well, hypergamy is multifaceted. Um, Mm. Like younger women, younger women will get with a guy that's a hot dude, but has a plan over a Mm long-term basis. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like they'll, like they'll overlook the lack of financial resources for like a 22 year old guy. But if Mm -hmm. you're a 40 or 50 year old guy, and you have a plan and you're still hot, but you don't have anything going on. Like you have nothing to show for yourself. Women don't have a lot of interest in guys like that. Because by then mm-hmm. they've started to acquire a lot more in the way of resources. They may have been divorced and taken half of a guy's assets. Maybe they're a corporate gal and they've climbed the corporate ladder and making $100,000, $200,000 a year. So they're doing well. They have their own stuff. Um, so hypergamy is is, there's basically two sides to it. There's the alpha fuck side also known as alpha seed, and there's the beta Mm buck side. So, and that changes, you know, throughout the cycle of the month, right? Like women, when women are ovulating, that's when they want the alpha fucks. That's, that's when they want the dominant seed. That's when they want the tall guy with the muscles, narrow waist, broad shoulders, chiseled jaw, deep voice, high testosterone cues. Believe it or not, women can smell high testosterone. They've done tests Mm -hmm. on this where they'll have guys like sleep in like, you know, cotton shirts, and they'll have women smell the shirts uh, like 36 hours later and the guy with the high serum blood testosterone, she can smell that guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is ridiculous how women mate select. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when you kind of get into it and you see the code in the matrix for what it is, but yeah, you know, so it happens when they're ovulating, like the vast majority of women cheating and long-term relationships and marriages happen when they're ovulating. So if you're a guy in a marriage or a long-term relationship, and you should be tracking, sorry, tracking your woman's cycle, by the way. Um, and if she is ovulating, it, and if you see her getting dressed up and wanting to go out with her girlfriends on a frequent basis, when she's ovulating lipstick, high heels, short skirts, lots of skin exposed, bright red lipstick, the big hoop to hoop earrings. That's because she's out marketing herself and she's marketing herself when she's in a position to get pregnant. She's not mm-hmm. going to tell you that, but that's what she's doing. That's what her nature is doing. She wants to show herself off. And that is also happens to coincidentally be the time when most women cheat on their men is when they go out again for the girls weekends for the girls night out, whatever. If they're in a long-term relationship, when they're ovulating, they don't do it when they're on their period. They don't do it when they're at that's part of their cycle. That's when they want beta bucks. It's when they want comfort. That's when they want the blankie and curl up and watch Netflix with you. They won't go out with their girls. then. that's, that's when they want to hang out with you and be all warm and cuddly and snuggly. So Um, so it changes month to month. It changes in different areas of their life. Women generally in their twenties or more in their party years, they like to experience guys. They look for the high testosterone Q alpha males. They want very little to do with the beta providers. They just want to, they just want to have fun, you know, like Cindy Lauper says, right. But when they start hitting close to 30 and they get to their epiphany phase and they start looking around and they see all their girlfriends getting married and having kids, their siblings, that's when they want to get right with God and, and just say, you know, like, I need to find a guy. And quite often, that's when they usually just find a guy that's good enough because all the high-value alpha males that they spent their 20s banging don't want anything to do with them because now they have mm-hmm. a notch count racked up, and they're mm-hmm. 30, 35, and they want to date 20, 23-year-olds. They don't want anything to do with a girl that's been run through you know, by a bunch of guys. So that's why a lot of women end up marrying beta males, right? Because they're more compliant. They're more agreeable. Um, you know, they'll do exactly what they want. Alpha males don't comply, right? Like if she says, Well, I want to move my mom in from such and such country and we need to renovate the kitchen and we have to move to this city, a beta male will say, Yeah, okay. But an alpha male will lead the frame and say, you know, this is the way things are gonna be. So women's women's needs and desires change over time. That's why um that's why the notion of paternity fraud, you know, still exists today where like when a woman's pregnant, she has a hundred percent assurance that it's her kid. One hundred percent. There's no question in her Mm -hmm. mind. She's pregnant. She's carrying it. That's her kid. Okay. But guys don't have assurance. That's why men get jealous of their women when they're exposed to getting banged by other guys. Women, on the other hand, they're more concerned with him uh, giving up resources and attention to another woman, because if they lose that, if they get pregnant, then that's a high risk factor for them. Right? So, Men and women are completely different in so many areas of their lives at different parts of their lives. Um, it's a very complex equation. But when you start to understand it again, you know, once you unplug and you see the code in the matrix and you understand everything that's going on, it's very, very easy for a guy to navigate it properly.
1: Mm-hmm. So coming back then to the original question is like, I, I think you answered it is, you know, once they reach that sort of epiphany stage, you know, even if they're still a hot sort of 30-year-old or whatever. You know they, I think they are less likely to be as hypergamous as they were when they were younger. Because well, they're still you know, hypergamous
0: the in the sense that that their that their mindset has shifted from the sexy hot guy from the phone cam mm-hmm, and party mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, Ibiza or Cancun or whatever. Like it shifts from that guy more to the guy like you know what he's 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 just tall enough for me. He looks just masculine enough. His job is good enough. Right, um, I'll have his kids, but he's but he's got his money sorted. For them, mm-hmm. the comfort of uh, protecting and providing is more important at that time when they're looking to yeah. have kids. And a lot of the times, women cut guys too, right? Like they'll like they'll go and get knocked up by the hot guy, but then they'll have the beta male provide for that child. Um, it's it's you know I went through a lot of data trying to find accurate information on the cuckolding rate today when it comes to, um, guys being duped and, you know, thinking that the kid is theirs, but it's not. And it's very, very difficult because, um, cucking a guy relies on deception and women Mm -hmm. aren't going to be honest about lying to the guy that's raising the kid about whether or not he's the kid. So you're never going to get an honest answer. One of the studies that I found that I thought was fascinating was, um, there was a school in the UK that was doing like a family tree sort of experiment. Um, I'm going to butcher this because it was about four years ago. I was, you know, going through the data, but it's all in my book. Um, And they ended up sending the kids home. And when they all came back with the information that the school was looking for to do the family tree, to identify, you know, uh, maternity and paternity and grandfathers, you know, on both sides and grandmothers and all sort of stuff. They soon realized about 30% of the children in the classroom weren't with their biological father. They were with with a man that thought was a biological father, but wasn't. So they had to stop doing this fucking experiment because it was ruining households. 30%? 30%. Now, I don't know that 30% is common throughout society. I mean, it seems like somewhere between 10 and 15% would be more realistic, but maybe it was a... Anomaly because of the town. Um, you know, like there's certain places in the UK where women are, are are pretty much like big time hoes, right? You know, if you traveled there. Um, so it so it could have been like that, but I don't think that 30% is common throughout society. It seems like somewhere between 10 and 15 percent would be a, a lot more normalized. But a lot of guys that are out there today raising children, they're not the biological father and they just don't know it.
1: I mean, that would probably be more in the West, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of... I mean, you know,
0: because in most other countries, you know, throughout the world, men have authority and responsibility in the household. Yeah, yeah, so, so they don't let their girlfriends or wives run around doing things like they do in the West, being highly promiscuous, right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So, So do you think that... Um, that culture can be shifted back towards um, respect and authority? Or do you think the strategy for men is to... Um, Kind of, sort of, say, yep. Look, the culture's fucked. So I need to basically optimize for being fucked by the culture because this shit's not going to change. If you live in the West, it's the
0: latter. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm more of a enjoy the decline sort of guy. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like what I do with my content, with my videos, with my podcast, with my book. Like, what I've basically done is I've is I've drafted a a big ass map of the world, and I've plotted where the landmines are on it. And I say, walk through the world, just don't step in these areas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have a good experience as a guy, you can deal with women, you can potentially even have children if if you take the appropriate measures and, and steps in your life to minimize risk exposure and understand the landscape that you're dealing with. But you know, to the question of is society going to improve and kind of normalize back to the ways you know that it were. Um, I don't see that happening. The trend that I see is more wokeism, more liberalism, like. I watched, um, Matt Walsh's, um, special, um, what is a what woman What is a woman. Yeah. Since I subscribed to the daily wire to watch that Jordan Peterson thing, I thought I would check that out too. And by the end of watching that it's a 90 minute special. And I think, you know what it's about. It's about, um, transgenderism and a whole bunch of other you know components that are tied into this notion that you can't define what a woman is today. I was that feeling like I don't belong in this world, mm-hmm. right? Like the way that things are going in the West are not for me. I happen to live here. I'm, I'm I'm kind of stuck here cause I'm tied here, you know, with family uh, raising a kid, I've got business investments and interests here, but my long-term plan for me is to more or less exit the West at least 50% of the time. Like I don't even want to spend my winters here. It's, it's, it's cold in Canada in the winter sort of thing, but there's places in the world where it's, it's better for men. You know, like I'll say mm-hmm. this, like you will be treated, treated better as a man in different places of the world. And you can mobilize, you know, you don't have to like, this is not 2000 years ago where it would take you three months to to row a, a fucking Viking ship across the ocean, right? Like this is modern times. You can, you can buy a ticket for thousand bucks, fly to another part of the world and create yourself a location, independent business, run it from there. Um, and if that doesn't work out over there, you can move to another part of the world, you know, sort of thing um you can mobilize in today's world so there's so there's tools and strategies that you can use as a guy to have a good experience to put yourself first and you know make sure that you get what you want out of life
1: so when you when you were saying you know I don't belong here i was actually <clears throat> i was having a conversation with a friend uh the other week and i was saying the same thing but i was kind of saying i think i'm born in the wrong fucking century um or the wrong millennium like the, I i just find it hard to relate to whether it's the lemmings or just the the lack of I don't know, like fucking courage and will in humanity these days, it's um it's concerning.
0: But there's a there's a general pussification of the West going on. I don't know a better way to describe it other mm-hmm. than the pussification of the West. It's happening, it's real, it's it's a very slow moving, grinding machine, but it's but it's generally moving in the direction of softening men um, turning women into terrible versions of men, um, destroying the fabric of society. Like I get why Jordan Peterson says, get married. You know, it's, you know, it's a bedrock of society, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But you're not talking risk mitigation. You're not talking about yeah, the reality yeah. things. And I look at the entire scope of things with everything, even sitting in the blind spots of most people. Cause there's a lot like, you know, I see about this far, after mm-hmm. that it's all in my blind spot so there's all this shit behind us you know it's like the whole you don't know what you don't know and most people willfully walk like sleepwalk through life you know they're not paying attention to you know the code in the matrix they don't want to unplug they they just want to get up in the morning go to work earn their paycheck come home Hope their wife is going to bang them. They try to make an advance. It doesn't happen. They deal with the shit in their house and they go and rinse and repeat the next day and pay their taxes and enrich government, state, institutions, and give up their freedoms willingly without any protest. You know, we saw it happen during the last scandemic where people willingly totally. stood on dots and were taking vaccinations because if they didn't, they would lose their job. Willingly people willingly folded to the entire narrative without asking any questions. I was one of the few people that was asking questions going, wait, hold on a second. You can go back Mm -hmm. to my YouTube channel. Two, three months after the whole thing started, I started talking about it on my YouTube channel broadly, I was, I was very Mm -hmm. careful because I knew that they were going to silence people, but I, but I broadly started talking about it then. Like, why aren't we asking questions? Why are people just doing these things? Why is everybody so easily, you know, following the narrative, right? Why is this all of a sudden so safe and effective after no trials or no years of research and treatment? Right. And it's like, here I am. And I was right. You know, like I watched, I watched everything unfold exactly the way that I, but people don't ask questions today that they just, Get married. Comply. Yes. Pay your taxes. Yeah. Yes. Comply. Yeah. You know, Bitcoin yeah. is shit. Okay. So don't, don't buy that. Do this. Yeah. Okay. So stand on the dot. Yeah. So get the jab. They just comply with everything. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't think they don't ask questions and critical thinking is a lost art today. Um, A buddy of mine once said the movie Idiocracy. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it. Yeah,
1: yeah He yeah. said,
0: it's not a fictional movie. He
1: said, it's a documentary. This is exactly what's it totally unfolding. Is. It <laughs> totally is, bro. But it's still like, it's a, it's like Idiocracy meets the Twilight Zone because it's like fucking weird as well, bro. It's like a, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like a mixed episode
0: of Black Mirror, Twilight yeah. Zone and freaking Idiocracy, man. It's. <laughs> And I, here I am on my island, you know, talking to like the random guy like you that like gets it all right. Or the odd guy that like reads my books and watches my video. And they're like, dude, you saved my life. Right. It's, 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 it's very, very difficult work unplugging society from the matrix and they don't want you doing it. Right.
1: It it really is. But you know, but you know, the, your, your matrix analogy is interesting. I wrote a, I wrote an article about a year and a half ago now, which kind of, so I'll, I'll give you some context. So back in, March 2020, um, and this was around the first time I got shadow banned and banned from Twitter, was I wrote an article called Corona Didn't Cause It in fucking like four days after the lockdowns. Man, I fucking smelled a rat from a mile away. And, you know, then I started fucking yapping about it, yapping about it. And and I was, you know, not as, how can I say, uh, uh, intelligent as you were in how I discussed it. I, I went way too fucking hard. And I got cancelled off basically everything, had to you know rebuild everything again, blah blah blah, but yeah. it wasn't until twenty twenty one that I basically rebuilt my my Twitter account after losing it and I, and I wrote a, a an article called The Remnant, which just what you said there is like you know here's two random guys other corners of the world who get it talking to each other and the i'd I'd highly recommend you read the essay called Isaiah's Job by Albert J. Nock, N O C K. It's a you know, 15 minute read. It's an essay written in the 1930s. How do you spell it, Nock? N uh, O C K. N O C K. Albert Nock. Yeah, in so you'll title find of it the on. Article? Uh, Isaiah's Job, I S A I, however the fuck you spell it, Isaiah. The prophet, basically. Isaiah's Job. Yeah, Isaiah's Job. You'll find it on Mises.org. on um. I Yeah. It's um, it's a short read, but it, like it inspired everyone from fucking Ayn Rand to you know the best Austrian economists, libertarians, and all this sort of stuff. And he he talks in there, but the, the premise of the of the essay is that the the prophet Isaiah, so he uses this sort of parable of uh, of that prophet. He says was the prophet of the remnant, not the prophet of the masses. And his job was to get up on the hill and preach. And know that 99%, 99 people out of a hundred would walk past here and not listen. Whereas Mm. the one person that was supposed to listen, um, that was the person he was meant to be talking to. And that remnant, that one out of a hundred is the archetype, is the persona that shifts the world in in a, in a, in a positive direction. And so, so I wrote this whole essay series called the remnant and, and honestly, that's, that's the only thing that keeps me sane these days is, you know, in a world full of basically lemmings. I don't know if you remember that game from the eighties and nineties. You know, mm. the, the the lemmings were those things that walked into the fucking lava. Yeah. Like we we live in that world today. And it's um you know, groupthink it's is real.
0: Not, it's you know, the sheeple burn. concept is real. There was a video that I posted on my Twitter timeline. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like a security camera of like a Brazilian cafe. And there was like um There's probably about 50 people sitting there drinking their, drinking their coffees, eating, you know, chatting sort of thing, smoking their cigarettes. And then there was, I think, three or four CrossFit runners that were just running down the sidewalk. They were just sort of, you know, going for a run. When they ran through, they scared everybody that was sitting there and they thought they were running from something. So (laughs) everybody literally got up and followed these CrossFit runners in the same direction that they were running to. Not asking questions, not looking for the danger, nothing. They just got up and ran. It was hilarious. It's Bro, like, I,
1: I I have not seen that video, but I yeah. swear in my life now, I when when I was um, fuck, how old was I? Eighteen or nineteen? I'd, uh, I was I was young. i I you know I just started sales. I'd learned NLP and all this sort of shit. And me and a friend of mine, we would go and do social experiments like this. We went through Parramatta, which is like a big central city in um in Sydney, and we did exactly that. We got three guys with us. And we just said, run, run, and we started running. I swear to god, the whole fucking main street started yeah. running with us, and nobody had any idea what the exactly. fuck was going on. Right. Everyone just started running. Yeah. Crazy that's, shit, man.
0: That's that's humans, right? But that's that's part of what made humans so successful, too, successful. right? Yeah. Is, is yeah, that totally. is that they mobilize and they're herd creatures in that sense. It's mm-hmm. just that they're they're not particularly smart or independent and that's the problem with big government is that it mm-hmm, is that it mm-hmm. really and i don't even think big cover big government's doing this intentionally like it it seems difficult i don't know man there's so many ways to chop this up like i listened to your book the communist manifesto um <laughs> un-communist manifesto sorry and i was thinking about it too then as well it was a good book you guys should check it out if you haven't um read it but um Thank you. yeah like this whole notion of like does the government actually know that it's doing this or is it just a bunch of other sheeple in the government following the lead of like maybe a handful of people in a big circular Mm -hmm. room? Like, is it really the world economic forum with their like goofy outfits that they wear whenever they get together that are running the world, who is actually doing all this? And it's like one of those things that you could talk about for hours, but at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it's like you have, you know, there's only one part of the universe that you can control as a man and that's yourself. Okay. And if you've got people in your inner circle, family, people that you love, children, a woman, women, you know, depending on how you want to run your life. If you've got people in your inner circle that, that, that matter to you, then you should be leading them. You know, you should have authority over them. You should be able to trust them. Um, and there's these concentric rings kind of like an old Oak tree will have hundreds Mm -hmm. of these rings all the way around. It's like each ring, you know, concentrically gets closer and closer in the middle. And I think as a guy, you have to define who's on the inner circle, right? Because mm-hmm. you have these reaches, you know, like you might be one of the concentric rings on one of the distant levels because we barely know each other sort of thing. But I have people on like the very inside area, right? That I love for and I care for and that, you know, matter to me sort of thing. And we matter to each other and we hold each other accountable. I think that you have to define a perimeter as a man. And mm-hmm. there's an us versus then concept up. I'm not sure if you ever read any of Jack Donovan's stuff.
1: I read, I think the barbarian one, like many, many years ago,
0: Uh, the way of man becoming a barbarian. Like it's one of the things he talks about is the us versus them concept and Mm -hmm. the outside world has essentially become this empire of nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So defining your inner circle, I think is very, very important as a guy. And, you know, if you can get that right and you can control yourself and you've got some authority and some leadership over your inner circle, you'll be fine you know you'll have a great mm-hmm. life you'll be happy you know for the most part you're going to have some bullshit that's going to come up every every once in a while where they're going to say you can't fly unless you have this in your body and you can't work unless you have this in your body or you know you can't buy things unless you use our cbdc currency like all of these things mm-hmm. are going to come so i think you know for a guy if you want to make yourself your own mental point of origin and live a good life you have to see all these things for what they are and then structure your life in such a way that you minimize yourself to risk with family law fucking you over, taking half your stuff, women destroying you, Me Too events. These are all things that I talk about. I mean, most of the stuff that I get into is more or less around the dynamics between men and women in the sexual marketplace. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, you have to be intentional about your life. You have to set yourself and set yourself up in such a way that you're awake and that you're walking through life, not sleepwalking through life.
1: Dude, th- thank you for saying all of that because that that kind of leads me to my my last question, which. Uh, this is actually i hadn't listed it on my questions here but it's something i've been pondering recently um i've been a lone wolf more or less most of my life um i've been you know genuinely like different to each of the groups so like i, I don't i don't really keep in touch with any uh friends that i had from primary school, nor from high school, nor from university, college, none of that sort of stuff. Um I've I I was generally like I grew up in a pretty poor part of um Sydney in Australia. And I kind of I kind of outgrew my environment very quickly every single time. Um and when I was young went through like you know the whole family went through a stupid fucking divorce. So I've sort of been through that grinder as a as a kid. Mm So I think I changed schools like six times or whatever. So I never really got to plant roots anywhere. So what I'm getting at here is that I've never really had a, you know, a brotherhood or a tribe. And, and this is something I've come to realize, you know, recently, particularly I've been nomading for three years, because I I was like the only one of the people that I knew around me who would not fuck, you know, who basically didn't want to cuck to the scam, right. The Mm. the scamdemic. So I, I just jumped from country to country and, you know, I was going around just banging girls basically and kind of practicing Practicing game. It it was actually yours and Roller Tomas' book that I was reading at the time, which, you know, said, shit, I need to work on myself because everyone around me is a fucking moron. So anyway, recently I've just been thinking about, you know, there's only so much you can do as a lone wolf. um, And, you know, I think a man needs to build, uh, you know, a, a group of brothers and and this has been strongly echoed, like now that I'm reading Stephen Pressfield's The Virtues of War about Alexander the Great, what he did was he had a fucking group of generals who each of them would fucking die for each other. Like, you know, there were a group of men who went and conquered the world, basically. So I guess the question is, what's your thoughts on that? And then what's your advice on, I mean, for me and for anyone listening on how to genuinely build a brotherhood, you know, starting at the age of 30 something.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's a good question. So I had that question asked to me a lot over the years. People would often come to me and say, "Where do I find like like-minded men like you, Rich?" Um, so a few years ago, I set up my own community because I didn't see anything out there that existed. There's there's a few of the um, you know, like I call them the Miller Lite masculinity sort of crowds where it's like you know, drink your beer, grow. Or, sorry, drink your beer, grow a, a beard. Um, You know, get married, have a family, live in the woods, you know, hunt your own animals, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Um, You know, that works for like the trad con crowd sort of thing. But um, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of uh, marriage or living in a way that the state would look as a marriage. So my community is more a group of unplugged men. Many of them are involved in relationships. Sometimes they run multiple women. Sometimes they're monogamous. Sometimes they're married. Sometimes they just have girlfriends. A lot of them could be singles, you know, spinning plates dating, but they live all all the way around the world. Um, we have a private censorship forum that they can collaborate on. Uh, we have meetups. We have signal groups to chat up, you know, different discussion items. There's lots of stuff going on. So I would encourage you as a guy to find a group that resonates with you and join it. Um you know, if you find that you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Like if you're sitting in a room around family because it's Thanksgiving and you're having conversations and you don't really see yourself as in, in place, that's fine. It's family. You know, you share blood sort of thing. You know, you see them when you see them. But I think when it comes to friendship and especially men, you need men that are going to hold you accountable. You need men that aren't pussies. You need men that are masculine. You need men that mm-hmm. see the code in the matrix. You need men that have your back, right? I want a guy, you know, like if I go to his front door and I knock on it and I say, uh, hey, man, it's three o'clock in the morning. I got a body in the trunk. You need to get a shovel. Let's go. It'll be yeah, like, give yeah. me a second. Let me get my shoes. There's no questions asked. I need yeah. a guy like that in my inner circle. I don't want pussies. I don't want guys that are exposing me to risk. I don't want gullible people in my inner circle. So that's why I, I basically, you know, created my own tribe because I didn't see it existing out there. I went looking for it for many years before. I would join groups like Entrepreneurs Organization, which I think was great from the virtues that it, that it taught you how to run a forum, how to get involved with the forum, um, you know, how to run a business, how to learn from great minds out there. But one of the things that I came across a lot when it came to the entrepreneur sort of mindset is that a lot of very successful entrepreneurs, they're weak beta males, you know, yes. like I would be sitting in private meetings, you know, behind closed doors, talking, talking to guys that were running $50 million a year businesses. And they would say shit like happy wife, happy life. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but something felt wrong. So mm-hmm. I went and created my own thing and I was fortunate enough because I had an audience, you know, I've got YouTube channels and podcasts and the book and everything like that. So when people resonate with it, they'll reach out to me and they'll want to join, but that's what I've done. And that's what I recommend guys do. So, I mean, if you want to learn more about my particular community, I would say, go, go to my website. It's entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash community. And there's two options there, you know, to enter um there's a third option but it's not available to the public anymore i only recruit for my business tier from within the community now but finding one or creating your own is probably the way to go you know um i think it's important men are tribal you know the way of men is the way of the
1: gang mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean and that last comment there the way of men's way of the gang is so fucking true it's um i mean how, how do you if i can ask one more extension to that is how do you get past the because there's a saying that pops into mind is like, you know, men become brothers when they've bled together. So sort of like that, that physical, um, going through something physical together, um, is very different than sort of like an online forum. So how do you cross that chasm with, you know,
0: Yeah, you can cross, um, you know, you can form strong bonds with men through combat. Um, You can form strong bonds with men through psychedelics. Um, You can form strong bonds with men by competing, not necessarily combat, by competing um, through laughter, through adventure. There's any number of ways that you can do it. I mean, like we use all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that if you want to be the best version of yourself, you you have to hold your mind and body accountable to very very high standards and mm-hmm. see everything for what it truly and really is um and that means you're going to have to do some you're going to have to do some work man um there's people that I throw out of my group like i have guys that come in and and they might whine and complain about the state of uh you know women for example like women are impossible i'm never going to get what i want blah blah like shut up shut the fuck up and get out you're out bye see you later right Um, I don't deal with victim mindsets. I have no time for people in my inner circle or that want to enter my inner circle as a kind of press further into the concentric rings to get closer to me. Mm -hmm. I have no time Mm -hmm. for people that quit, that lose, that want to lose, that have a a victim mindset, um, that are gullible. Um, So I think that those are all things that you've got to consider when you're evaluating friendships and men that you want in your life. Cool.
1: All right, man. I really appreciate that feedback and that advice. Um, I appreciate obviously the whole conversation. Um, is there anything else that you want to mention, um, before we wrap this up?
0: Um, no, just check out my website. If you guys want to learn more, uh, it's richcooper.ca. I have two YouTube channels, which are the main ones, uh, entrepreneurs and cars, which is where I just kind of like drive around in my car for the most part and just talk about certain ideas that people seem to like. And then I have my podcast, which is also based on my book, The Unplugged Alpha. You can just search for that on YouTube. The book's also on Amazon. It's called The Unplugged Alpha. Um, It's a big seller. So if you guys want to learn more, I would probably start in one of those three areas. Awesome, man. All right, brother. Thank you.
1: I really, really enjoyed this. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to The Wake Up Podcast. Find us on the Fountain app and send us a boost with a comment. I'll try and read them each week and send you a shout out. And remember to grab a copy of the Uncommunist Manifesto and join us in defeating the plague that is consuming our world.